0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, everyone. This is Pruzs a Talmud she'er with Rabbanit Leah Sarna. One of our many classes in the Fall's Mon, twenty twenty one class focusing on Shemitah year. Um, this is the class number four. This is class number four. Um, we are happy to have you here, and and in, if you are interested in learning more about Shemitah, we will be having many classes, some in progress, such as with. Rebunit Gila-Rosen, starting tomorrow at 1 p.m. and very much picking up on today's topic is, sorry, not tomorrow, on Wednesday, Shemitah, Radical Perspectives on Society, Land and the Individual. And starting at, and starting at, um, right before Thanksgiving, we will be having a new class in the series on topic of A Sabbath of the Land for You. Shemitah, Sabbath of the Land for You, Shemitah Ethics and Jewish Philosophy. So keep an an ear out. There'll be plenty of Shemitah learning going on as as fitting with the year. All right. Uh, And people are strongly strongly encouraged to accept the invitation to panelists. Um, it's, It's always nice to see people's faces. You are invited to keep your camera on. All I ask is that you Mute yourself if you're not currently talking so that we can avoid any feedback. And with that, Rebneet Sarna, the floor is yours.
1: Hi everyone, welcome back. Um, So this is our fourth class on Prisbull, and we are picking up where we left off last time. Um, For the sake of completeness, we're going to do all the Gemara, but um, the topic that we're going to dive into is in Kobin Prozbol ella alha karga. So Prosbol is only written for a debt secured by land. So um, Kayla, can you throw the source sheet into the chat? Because we're actually going to start. We're going to introduce this topic a little bit by looking at um, the Mishnah in Shvi. and we'll look at two commentaries on the Mishnah. We'll look at the Bartnura and the Rash Mishans, um, and then we'll go back into the Gemara. We'll pick up where we left off last time. Um, and when we get up to where the Gemara quotes the Mishnah and Shvi, we'll then look at Rashi and Tosfo and their debates on this Mishnah and Shvi. We'll see where the Gemara takes the Mishnah and Shvit and expands on it pretty dramatically. Um, and um, and then we'll look at at the end. We'll look at as promised last week. We'll look at something that feels like it's related. Um, so again, our topic today is principle is only written for a debt secured by land. So if you have a debt that doesn't, um, that isn't secured by land as meaning that like, I lent Kayla a million dollars and Kayla does not have even one tiny piece of property to her name. Um, so she's holding on to million million, but there's no, but without any like collateral in the, in the form of land, um, so that's a type of loan that maybe I can't write a pesel on. That actually I just need to like relieve that loan potentially. Um, so that's that's the question. That's the topic we're looking at today. Um, and that seems kind of similar to this thing that some people do when they're selling chametz. That in addition to selling the chametz, they sell the property that the chametz is in. So like they'll sell. Like the um, the shelf that the chametz is on, and the shelf because it's connected to the house, which is connected to the ground, is considered like property, Um, or uh, it's it's unmovable property. I think is the way to say it. It is property. It's unmovable property. The shelf. And sometimes you'll even see if you look closely at the um, at the sale agreement, which a lot of people don't do, right? Because like your average person just writes the uh, just just sends. Um, sends a form back to the rabbi saying, "Here's where I keep my liquor. Here's where I keep my my dry goods. Here's where I keep my wherever." And you never actually see the, the bill of sale that the rat and and witness actually. The, the sale itself is amazing. When I worked at a synagogue in Chicago, we always used that. Um, do the sale and the like unsale publicly? Like we would invite congregants to come and watch because it's like very very interesting, and we would teach about why why we do it the way we do it. And one of the pieces that not everyone does is this Kenyan agav karka, um, that the sale happens in addition to or alongside with um, the sale of a piece of land or unmovable property. So we're gonna talk at the end about whether this idea that. Um, whether or not that's similar to a Kenyan Agav Karka. Um, and then obviously with Mishirat Hamid, there's this whole additional complexity of like, how does a sale to a, a Gentile work? And we're not gonna get into that at all, but just this idea of Kenyan Agav Karka in general. Um, okay, so we're gonna start out with the Mishnayot and Eat. So if you're again in the handout, which Kayla has put into the chat, um, a number of times. Thank you, Kayla. Um, we are in source number one. So the Mishnah says, In kupin Ella Ella Karka, Prozbo is only written when there is land involved in the debt. Im if the debtor has no land, so I lent Kayla a million dollars, but she doesn't have any land to her name, then I can. Um, then I should be. I should say, okay, Kayla, like this tiny piece of my backyard, I'm gifting to you. And now your debt has some land attached to it. And therefore, I can write a um for this debt. Um, but also, the Mishnah says, but also, The type of land that Kayla needs to own in this situation is expansive. So let's say Kayla has a piece of land in the city, and she actually already used it as a, it's already mimushkanen, it's already pledged maybe to someone else, actually. Kayla has multiple debts. She borrowed a million dollars from me but she also borrowed a million dollars from gabriel and she borrowed a million dollars from gabriel yeah sorry kayla it's a rough day for you uh, when she borrowed a million dollars from gabriel um kayla said and as collateral here's my here's my field in the city and gabriel said okay my principal can still be written on account of the fact that kayla has this um, kayla still has some relationship to that piece of property even though it's also collateral for, um, for her loan to Gabriel, which she will be collecting soon. Well, you better, unless you wrote a frisbol, um your time to collect is ticking down because before Rosh Hashanah, it's either a bowl or you lost it. So, uh, okay. Um, so, Rabbi Chutz, Omer, Kotvin laish al nechse ishto, al nixe apotropin. So, you can even maybe write a bowl if Kayla has a spouse who has some property or if god forbid she's an orphan um then if her a, a, a patrupus, if her guardian um has some property then maybe like that could could have could be effective as property on which i could write a presbol. um would, like if kayla if, if someone if someone in or in a family relationship let's say with kayla owns property then um then that might be sufficient for me to write a principle also, um, and then there's like a fun a fun next thing that doesn't actually come up in our Gemara but it's in the Mishnah and I just thought it was so interesting. Um, so the question is, what's the status of a beehive? Um, <laughs> we actually had a you can find it in the audio library we had I have a friend who's a, a colleague who's a beekeeper. Um, her name is Amalia Haas, Re- Revanita Amalia Haas. We had her last year during winter's Mon when we were talking about food, and she shared Torah about bees and it was like totally out of this world. So if we were like having this sheer um, principle forever I totally would have brought Revanita Amalia today, and we would have discussed together whether we think about this debate between Rabbi Elazar and Chachamim about the beehive. But here we go. Um, okay, so Kaveret Dorim a beehive. Rabbi Elazar, Omer, Harehi Kakarka. Rabbi Elazar says a beehive is like land. prosbol. So, and what are the implications of it being like land? One, if Kayla owns a beehive, then I can write a prosbol for the debt that Kayla owns me. Um, in a Tuma b'Imkuma, until it's detached, it is not susceptible to impurity because anything that kind of like grows naturally from the ground and is still attached to the ground is not susceptible to impurity. That's one of the reasons why like you can't use schach that's like still growing out of the ground. Like you can't like if you like build your sukkah on and it has like um, grapevines growing over the top or something like the grapevines are still attached. to. I mean whatever that there's a lot of complicated things about that situation but the grapevines are still attached to the ground. Definitely not kosher schach. Um, Okay so that's the it does. It's not susceptible to Tuma. and harudami menur chayav. And if you take honey from it on Shabbat, you're chayav. You um you violated potentially an esr Torah. Um and that esr Torah said so the commentaries on this Mishnah, which I didn't bring you, is is tolish. You you picked. It says if the beehive is like a tree and the honey is the tree's fruit, and you did you did tolish. You 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 picked the honey off the beehive. Um. So that's the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer, but Chachamim say, kakarka, Rim, no, beehives aren't aren't like property. They're not like land. You cannot write a principle on them, in no um, and they are susceptible to uncleanness even while they're um, even while they're in their place. with Shabbat patur, And if you take honey from it on Shabbos, it's not a good thing to do, but it's not an Isar Torah. Um, Gabriel asks, "Is this a natural beehive that's attached, for example, a tree, or a man-made beehive that's a big box on the ground?" I assume we're talking about a natural beehive. Yeah, I I think that's at least the easiest breed here, because anything that's man-made for sure is, um, or is almost certainly going to not have these rules of like tuma and the idea that you'd be like picking it as like fleisha doesn't make any sense. So I think that I think we're talking about a natural beehive, like bees made this beehive. Um, good question. Okay. So, so when we're just to like, give us like a taste of where we're going, we're going to see a three-way machloket about what the, what the reason is behind, um, in Corbyn Prozbo el ala Karka. Why does Kayla need to own property in order for me to write a prozbo? That's, it's, it's a very strange idea, actually. Um, so we're going to see a three-way machloket, but here's the first one. Uh, we're going to see the Bartonura and then I debated where I was going to teach the Rashmi shots, but we're going to look at the Nura in source two, and then we're going to flip to source, um, I think it's like source nine. Yeah, we're going to flip to source nine, which is the Rashmi shots, who says a very similar idea to the Bartonura. Um, So we're just going to like fully go in on this idea now, and then we'll, um, and then we'll, we'll carry on from there. Okay, so here's the Bartanura. He says, El Alakarkhan, says that you can't write a prosbol la yeshlo karka lelova can't write a prosbol unless the borrower Kayla, has real estate sha'az and this is the part i'm 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 curious to know how you guys read this so um cuz then it's considered as if it's collected by the hand of the court low Karina Lo and that we don't call it um, we don't call it a violation of, of Lo ghost which is what if you can look in source 2.5, we saw this in the first class. that's what the Torah says is like what you're not allowed to do. Why you have to remit loans during the Shemitah year is a um, every creditor should remit the due that he claims from his fellow. Lo ye um lo ye ghost at reyuv at ahiv ki karash mitala hashem. Sorry for the shimote there. Um he shall um not dun his fellow or his kinsman for the remission proclaimed is of Hashem, but you are allowed to keep loans vis-a-vis foreigners, gentiles, at an Uhuriti ghost basher yalcha, tahika tashmi yadachas. You can you hold on to loans. Um, from the foreigner, but you have to remit whatever is due from your kingdom. So the so Bart Nura puts forward a kind of difficult to understand argument. And, and I'd love for people to unmute and say how they understand it. He says, just now that we've like reviewed what Torah violation we're trying to circumvent through principle. How does the Kela owning land help me circumvent the Torah violation of Loy um, By a presbyter. So he says, Az chashuv biyad liability is considered as collected in the hand of the Jewish court, and somehow Kayla owning land makes that possible. So, does anyone have an idea or an explanation about why Kayla's land ownership somehow makes it better? Yeah, Dira, please. Um, maybe like a straw man argument, you you know, where you're kind of like putting up this idea. Oh, if she wanted to, she could. I don't know, whatever. um Do something with her land. So instead of, we're kind of saying, Besden is gonna like, I don't know, maybe some type of like black magic. I don't, I don't know. I'm not oh, sure. I kind of wait. Maybe where you were going at the beginning was sort of like, if Kayla has this property, then she could have repaid the loan. Is that where you're going with it? I don't know, but sure. Because <laughs> that's kind of interesting, meaning everything you were saying was interesting, but that's like, I think one understanding of it is like, well, if Kayla owns property, then clearly like she has a loan because it's good for her to have a loan in some way. And therefore my keeping the loan is not oppressive because Kayla chose it, right? Because if she wanted to unchoose it, she would repay me because she has property. Mm. So maybe that's one, right? Yeah, Kayla, were you going to say something?
0: No, I just want to point out in the comments from Noah that, that my, in this case, my land would be collateral.
1: Yeah. Noah, do you want to say more either by typing or by speaking about what you mean by that? No. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely Kayla's land is collateral. And I think there's a few ways you could understand that. You could say Kayla's land is collateral and therefore, um, And that makes it like more of like a normal type of loan, maybe. Um, And we'll see We'll see that's actually like a, almost like a different opinion. Like that's, we'll come back to that when we see Rashi's opinion. Um, But maybe here, like the, maybe if if that's going with where I was going with Adira, that the collateral is like, yeah, like once there's collateral on a loan, the loan doesn't need to exist. Cause like I could just collect the collateral and the loan would be erased. So maybe, maybe where Noah's going is like the fact that there is collateral means that like the loan isn't so serious. Like the loan is optional or something like that um, and could be repaid at any moment. Um, and therefore it's not as much of a violation of Louis Ghost. Um, does anyone else have like a read on Hashuv Hachov yad beiten? Because that's the part that I feel like we, we, we haven't fully like wrapped our hands around yet. I feel like one of the, the piece of it that we have. Oh yeah, Adira, go ahead. I don't know. This might also be a stab in the dark, but like, I guess maybe they're saying that it's as if it is collected, so therefore, you know, um, it's like low egos. and then and then afterwards it'll be like reinstated, and he'll have to pay it, or she'll have to pay it. Oh, okay. So that's a great read, Adira. I think that's there's a lot a lot really good in what you're saying. So the fact that there is collateral means that and that maybe like the Beitin has access to that collateral right because we see all over the Beitin, like repossesses people's property uh people's land so maybe the fact that there's there's collateral means like at, what Adira was suggesting is like um it's as if the Beitin like collected it and therefore like the loan was nullified but then they kind of like they uh almost like reinstated the loan like after they had collected and so now the loan is owed vis-a-vis the beaten, but not owed vis-a-vis me, the original lender. And so I'm not violating you ghost, but the loan still stands. And you can only do that once there's like some thing to like transition ownership like with. But Gabriel says, why does it have to be specifically land? Um, so with that question, let's turn to the Rashmi Shads because um, he kind of does does get to that. So this is source nine. Sorry that sorry again that it's out of order. Um, okay, so he says Elliot, he's um the Rashvishad is commenting on the Mishnah here. He's he's a commentator on the Mishnah here. Um, so he says, Elin kin yesh low karka So unless the borrower has land, the odds So he says the exact same thing with the Bartanura. It's the the um, the debt is as, is seen as if it's been collected by the Baytin. The Lokarina Le Lugos. And we don't call it um, do not done. Um kmalva Going exactly as Noah said, it's like the lender has collateral. It's like the letter has collateral. Okay, period. Vahida Adifa, karka mean And the fact that land is preferred over um are like movables, <laughs> right? So like the whole world is divided into like movable objects, which are metophiline, and unmovable objects, which are essentially land. Um, that's that's basically um, if you're looking for ways to divide up everything, <laughs> that's uh, that's one of them. Um, okay, so, so the fact that we prefer immovable objects to movable objects, la mishum de it's not because um, the the immov- the sorry, it's not because the metal movable objects can like be used up. They are kalin, um, and this is why I had it at the end because this is gonna make more sense once we see it in the camera, but. So the, the like most extreme example given in the Gemara of like what could constitute land on which someone could base a, is a um is a pot with a hole at the bottom that's not even sitting on land, it's sitting on pegs. Um, but you have like a pot with a hole and, and um, on stilts basically. And that's like the minimum amount of property that Kayla needs to own in order for me to write a printable. Um So he says, uh, so the Rashmi Sean says, hold on, but that could disappear easily. Like that could get used up totally. Someone someone could, Tracy could walk by trip on the, and making you clumsy, sorry. Tracy could walk by, she could trip on the planter and all of a sudden it's gone. Um, um. But but says the Rashi Shansva on our DAF, exactly what we're gonna see. The lot of but I can write a prizbowl if Kayla has has a pot over the hole. Ella kahudin karka Rather, this is just the principle of the matter that land is more considered as if it's already been collected, like this, like. Almost like I think Adira's language for it was like black magic. <laughs> um, this like magical thing that we're imagining happening of like the beaten, like absorbing it, transferring ownership to the beaten, but then spitting back out an owed loan is just, it just says the Rashmi shots. It just happens better when it's done with property. But <laughs> um, I think it really like Adira's read of this as like, woo. <laughs> um, it, is is definitely quite a strong one, and I think he really gives evidence to you. So he he tries to answer, he asks Gabriel's spot on question, um, but only then like digs the proverbial hole a little bit deeper of like this being a kind of a difficult or problematic read. So, um, okay, let's go back to the now. <laughs> um, unless anyone has questions, I, I I can't I can't promise you any answers to your questions. Okay, Tracy, just to clarify. We're talking about debt that was originally set up with land as collateral or a debt that was not set up with collateral initially, but when the principle was written with the bait in, they added the idea of collateral to the deal. Great question, Tracy. So at what point does this land come into the equation? Um, and the Gemara is that we're going to see the answer in the Gemara. So let's hold tight on that question. But it's a really important one, right? Because if we're saying that the uh, collateral is a sense like like what like the the understanding that that we've discussed so far that I like the most is that um if Kayla owns property then um then it's not so oppressive when I keep the loan because Kayla could have paid me back um and so she like she wanted the loan to stand and like that's it like that's uh that that was a condition. And so it's not, it's not a violation of Wagos. And that's not where the Bartanura or the Rashmi Shots took it. Um and and that's not exactly the read. That's like maybe the read that Rashi puts forward, and we'll see in the Rashi. Um, um but um but yeah, but but that's good, but that's gonna really turn on Tracy's question of like, well, in order to effectuate a prison, is it that like the only loans that can stand are loans that I've made to people who like don't actually need them, and every other type of loan I actually have to give back. Or is it like some technical thing that just accomplishes Adira's black magic? Because if it's some like technical thing that accomplishes Adira's black magic, then I can just do it at the time of approval. It could be this like apzitnaku, this like um, this pot with a hole in it, and like that's it. Good enough. Um, but if, it, if it, it's meant to tell me something concrete about the type of the loan and the type of the borrower, then, then that should happen like originally <laughs> um, and not at the point at which I'm writing a principle, unless you want to say, oh, Leah, Kayla borrowed your money. She started a business. She's not ready to give you your money back yet, but she her business is doing real well. And so even though when she borrowed the money from you, she didn't have any property and she couldn't do anything with it. But now she's really prospering. And in fact, the reason why she hasn't paid back the loan is because in the meanwhile, she reinvested her profits in yachts or whatever. No, yachts are a bad example. She reinvested her profits in land. (laughs) Um, And so now she has land and she can add the land back into the into like the renegotiated pre-prosable deal. Um, And so really maybe all that we care about is actually like, if I made made my original loan to Kayla at the end of the last, you know, like right at the beginning of the Shemitah cycle, that's I. Right. So like maybe maybe this is the time to say, okay, Kayla, like what's happening? Pay me back or um, and Kayla's gonna say well, I don't want to pay you back, um, but I've invested in land and so now I can and I've done really well and, and now we can write a pro and and that gives me some opportunity to, to not pay you back yet. Um, and so there's something that there's something that like makes a lot of sense about um, about Kayla's land ownership as like a standard. By which, like, that's the type of person. Whether at the beginning of the loan or towards the end of the loan, that's the type of person who maybe can and should have the agency to say, "I want to keep my loan," um, as opposed to someone who doesn't have land. But that's not that's not what we're seeing in the partner of the Rashishats. Like The partner of the Shots are really saying, like, it's just this thing that makes it work. <laughs> um, and there, and for them, um, and for them, I think definitely, Tracy, it would make. Um definitely like the minute before the pros is written, just some property needs to needs to change hands, right? And and that's the, and we saw that already in the Mishnah in, in-, in- Lo, right? If Kayla doesn't have any property, means that well, I just I-, I can give her like, you know, like uh, this big of a piece of of a piece of land from my backyard, and all of a sudden I can write my prose um, Noah says this whole whole pot is a wrench in my gears. The other sources had better fix it. Um, I don't know if they're going to fix it, but it's in the Gemara, so let's see it in there, so let's open the Gemara. We're going to just, for the sake of feeling like we've completed something by the end of this, we'll just read from where we were last time. There's going to be like two little mini topics before we get back to um Kofi and Ella al so just forgive that, but they're really good little mini topics, so so um, I hope you'll enjoy that, enjoy the little journey. So we said um at the beginning of class number two, we talked about like what is this word prisbal? And I brought you some like Greek. <laughs> um, but here's the Gemara's understanding of it. So the like, Gemara asks, my Prisbol, if you're in, if you're on the uh, if you're in the Gemara album page, or at the very, very bottom of Lamidvava Bet. So my Prusible, um, what is prisbal? Amar of Chizda Prus Bule uvute. So it's it's I don't know, <laughs> these couple of words. So it's an ordinance, a post of bule and bute. Now he or the gonna explain what these two words are. So bule alo ashirim, these are wealthy people. Oh, sorry, we got a question from uh, Judas. Okay, Judas. we're gonna come back to your question in a second. Um, um, okay, so bule elu ashirim, these are the wealthy people. And now we're going to do a tricky thing where we're going to quote a verse, and then we're going to quote like a traditional, um, like a Memra, uh, an, an Amoraic statement that interprets this verse. So, we have, the verse is, so that's Vayikra um, at 26. Um, I will break the pride of your power from the curses in Vayikra. And Tanya Rebiusif, and it's taught in the name of Elu So, Rav Yosef says these are the bulaot of Yehuda. and that means that um, Rav Yosef is interpreting Gun uzchem as bulaot, and from there the Gemara concludes that bulaot are ashirim, that bulaot are wealthy people. So we did a kind of a confusing thing here, um, but we're not going to spend too much time on like all kind of the strangeness of, of the Gemara's interpretive play here. Um, and then bute Elu anhim, So bute these are the, the poor people, Dhaktiv, Ha'avit, Ta'avitanu, and Ta'avitanu, um, Bute. I think that's the that's the the play here. Um, so um, so you should you should surely lend to him um ha'avit and who's the person who needs the loan, those are the, those are the poor people. Rava has a different story about what this term means. So, Amr le Rava le lo aza. Rava says to someone who speaks a non Hebrew language, if you look at Rashi, she ino mid a bear bill ivri, who lo aza, le shaa, Rava him and zotaya a bear bill Virish lo shed bill paruz porsa takana. So he says, um, the, Rashi says Aloaza is someone who doesn't know understand Hebrew. That's Aloaza. And the one who Rava asked from him is someone who speaks the language of Prisbo. <laughs> and then and then Rashi means um it's 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 a language in which um, they have like a um it's a little hard to translate this Rashi but it's like in his language they have like they have words that sound like this more or less um okay um so Rava asks this Loaza what is prosbol Amarle Pursa de Milta?" so he says to him it is an institution of a matter a porsa de Milta." um Okay, so either it's an ordinance or it's some kind of agreement between the rich and the poor. That's what Prozboulé-Routé is a bit, like, it's actually the, the first read, even though like what's happening kind of like the interpretive like jumps that the Gemara is going through are a little bit tricky, but the idea of prosbul meaning an agreement between the rich and the poor um, is actually a really nice idea in my opinion. Um, and that as opposed to it being, cause like the original story, or like the mean story we have about it is like, Hillel invented Prisbal because people weren't keeping the Torah. And here we have kind of maybe a different understanding of Prisbal, which is Prisbal is um, the poor people saw it, the rich people weren't keeping the Torah and they kind of like came together to, to make an ordinance that would that would resolve it and that would help them take care of themselves. So that's, that's kind of nice actually. Okay, next side topic before we get to ours, Amar Huda, Amar Shmuel. Rabbi says in the name of Shmuel, "Yetomim in Um, Orphans do not require prosbol. rami Barhama, "Yetomim in And similarly, we have a teaching in the name of Rabbi Barhama that orphans don't need prosbol. The Aviham because Rabban Gamliel and his beitin are the fathers of of orphans, meaning that like the beitin has has this kind of like fatherly guardian relationship vis-a-vis orphans in the first place. So there's no point when orphans, let's say, inherit, like, let's say I, I'm God forbid an orphan and my father had lent Kayla a thousand dollars or a million, oh, it's a million dollars, right? My father had lent Kayla a million dollars. The Beaton, like already is involved in my financial well-being, and therefore I don't need approachable because like the din is already playing like a guardianship role in my finances so there's no point in me like sending something over to the beatin um okay now we're back to our topic um <laughs> uh, just that was just like a sidebar by way of completion so now we're gonna say it's not hatam, it's taught over there in the mishnah and our mishnah in shabit in ella al principle we do not write a principle except for on land except for on property Okay, now I'm going to go back to Judith's question. Judith said, oh, sorry, Gabriel. Um, So this is only when the orphan is the lender and not the Um, lendsy. That's interesting.
0: And there's also a question from Judith from earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll get back to that in one second. Um, That was a while ago. We've kind of left the issue. No, no, we're coming back to it. That's why I waited on it because we're about to get back to it. Um, um, no, that's an interesting question, Gabriel. I bet it works in both ways. Um, yeah, I think it probably works in both ways. I have to look it up and get back to you, Um. Okay. Okay. so now we're back. We're back talking about collateral. And now we're going to look again at Judith's question. Collateral usually has to equal the value of the loan. Good. Um, so, if we're headed right to this topic right now, collateral usually has to equal the value of the loan. So, if the borrower defaults, the collateral is taken to make up for the underpaid loan, right? It's either equal or more, right? So, let's say Kayla borrowed a million dollars from me. And as collateral, if she was going to give me, let's say, a watch, it would need to be a million dollar watch or a two million dollar watch. Um, and then either she would repay me and I would give her her watch back or she wouldn't and I would like pawn the watch, take a million dollars and give her the other million dollars or something in that direction. Um, so this is therefore different than collateral. Okay, so good. Perfect question. Rashi right now is going to address your question. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so okay. So we saw the Bartonura and the Rashmi Shots who say that when we say um, we only write approval on Karga, this is, I, I, Adira, I'm just going to keep going back to like your language. It's That just like makes it easier. The existence of property makes it easier for Baitin to kind of like take ownership over the loan. And it does it through this kind of like black magic, like boom, it just like facilitates that like transition of property from one person to another, um, and and it facilitates it better than than the movable property could possibly facilitate. it. OK, so now we're going to look at the Rashi on Ella al Um, OK, Imiyech Karka So the principle can only be written on um, Written like alongside property if there's pro- if the borrower has property. The Low Tiknu, because the rabbis didn't establish pr- the Hill didn't establish prisbal, El Bisman Shahachov kishar, sorry, kishar sorry, Shtarot. So prisbal is established for times when. The debt is like other, other star um, is a, a document, but like here, let's say, like a document that's documenting a debt. When, and debts are usually collected from land. Um, and that's like the most common way of collecting it. If it, there's a debt um, that I'm holding, like I'm holding a star, hope. I'm holding a document that says, Kayla Ozaya, a million dollars. Um, and Kayla doesn't pay up, I would go to the Bayton and say Kayla hasn't paid up. Uh, there would be some kind of procedure. And then the Bayton and I would go and collect from Kayla's property. That's like the normal way to do that. Um, and, and that's cases like that are discussed in a bunch of places in Limara. Um, And the rabbis don't typically make ordinances about unusual circumstances. So an unusual circumstance would be someone giving out a million dollar loan without any kind of collateral and without Kayla owning anything that I could go and collect my loan from. That would be an unusual circumstance. And the rabbis don't make ordinances around unusual circumstances. And here's to here's to your point, Judith. Even though the property is not worth the entire debt, so Kila owns a property that let's say is worth $100 um, or even less, right? If I gave her like this much dirt in my backyard, that's not worth $100, okay? Because it says further on any, any property, property of any size, um a um uh okay, a maha, katina Even if it's the size of a um, of a of a needle, I can collect as if it's the size of an axe, as it was the case in the Katina of abaye. So meaning. What Rashi is arguing, and we're going to see the case of the Katina Zavaya in a second, we're going to turn to Kituvot, um, which is the next source on the sheets. It's source 5, not to be confused with source 8, source 5. Um, um, it is source 5. The Katina de Valle, just to like preface it because it's a little bit confusing, is a case where a loan was owed. The collateral is insufficient to the amount owed and yet the lender was able to collect the full amount sounds like magic very weird in judith's face exactly right <laughs> all right so turn now to source number five rank 209 b and also pull it off the shelf whatever you want um okay it's a very weird case but it once you read it you're like huh I don't know. Yeah, maybe land is magical, and this idea that land is magical is um is actually very important. So we saw already land is magical. It enables the beta to like do this weird thing. Here's gonna be land is magical because it can be worth like an infinite amount, <laughs> um, and um, and we're gonna see that again in a different context, um, in the toast vote. So this idea that land is magical is very much like playing uh playing a strong role here. Okay. So hahu gavra the maski by So you have a certain man who had a creditor. So in this case, Kayla is the man. Kayla, you're gonna die, just so you know. Um, <laughs> trigger warning, <laughs> um, right? Kayla as um, Kayla's the guy. He owes a creditor a hundred zoos. Okay, and Kayla dies. Kayla had left shavik katina daara have a shavia hamishim Z'uze. So Kayla had left to her children um, a plot of land worth half the amount of the loan, right? So the loan was a hundred and she has a plot of land worth 50. So I come along, I'm the person who had lent her the first hundred, the Katari and I claim, I claim Kayla's 50 zoos plot of land. But Kayla's children, they're like nostalgic. Oh, it's the it's the plot of land that we grew up on. And they come to me and they buy back the plot of land. They buy back the plot of land from me for 50 zoos. So again, Kayla owes me a hundred. She dies leaving a 50 zoos plot of land. I collect the land that's worth 50 zoos. Her children come and buy it off of me. So now the children still owe me 50 but they've paid up 50 and now they're sitting on their plot of land again. And then I go back and I take the plot of land again. (laughs) Okay, so just to recap, I collected the plot of land. It was half of what I was owed. The children bought it off of me. So now I'm still sitting on 50 zoos which is half of what I was owed. And so then I go and take it from them a second time. (laughs) And now I have everything I was owed. After um, the Abaye, but the children go before Abaye because they're very unhappy that I just claimed their land a second time. But Abaye says to them, "Amar mitzvah al He says to the, to Kayla's orphans, "It's it's a mitzvah for you to repay the debt of Kayla." Um. And Hani kama mitzvah so initially you performed a mitzvah as you partially settled the debt of your father. And now that I have reclaimed the land, I did that appropriately. I appropriately reclaimed the land because again, it's a mitzvah on them to settle the debt and the debt was for a hundred zoos. And so far I only have half of it. The low Amrind, Um. um Velo amran de lo hani chamishin zuze ara katina, and we don't see that in this case. They said to him, "This fifty is the um, our payment for the land." But if they, but if they had said to him, "These fifty dinar are our payment for the small tract of land," then they would have totally. Um, removed my claim from the land. So it's a little nuts, right? It's so basically a Baieh is, yeah, no, no making a nice point, like so nice to give them the opportunity to do a mitzvah. Um, but basically if they, they could have used words to fully, when they purchased the land off of me, they could have used words to completely sever my, um, my relationship to the land, like my debt collecting relationship to the land they did not use those words at that, at that time and therefore i was able to go collect them, go collect the property a second time that's what that's how Abaye ends up with his ruling but the point of it here and the reason why Rashi's bringing it is that here's a piece of land i'm owed 100 zoos here's a piece of land earned worth 50 and at the end of the day i'm repaid my 100 zoos from this from this um, piece of land worth 50. So this amazing thing where you have a collateral that's not worth the full thing, and yet it still ends up being worth it. And that's like a specific magic that property has to it. Um, That the worth of property is very like, almost like squishy, it can like go up and down in in confusing and amazing ways. Okay, so that's Rashi. Now we're gonna look at ToastFoot. Say okay, so we're in Tosfoth Ela Al so we're in source seven. If you're on the source sheets, and we're at the first toast quote on the page, if you're in the Gemara, the say Ela and the first thing they, they do is they quote um, they quote Rashi. So they say Mishu shamal deShichu Yesh Karka. Um, it's the most common thing is to lend to someone who has property in and um, because the property isn't gonna, you can't like use up the property, right? So like if um, and property in that situation is better than a watch because let's say. Kayla says, oh, this watch is my collateral, but the watch could like stop working. It could degrade, like something could happen to it. The market of like watches could change. It could lose all its value. Like a million things could happen to the watch, but land, like land is ideally going to be there. I mean, we did um, we did kind of see previous, we saw last time, I think like if, um, I'm trying to remember. Okay, maybe, I'm not sure whether he's saw, it, but we do have situations where like, oh, the, the land gets like destroyed we didn't see this together sorry we have we have the the Kama talks about cases where like um land gets like um gets like uh, absorbed by a river or something like land can kind of disappear altogether by um but but much less likely for the land to just like get used up than movables um so we're back to our our, our pot with a hole in it which will We'll see in the Gemara in a second. His understanding of the pot with a hole, how that can function as um, as karka is low plug banan bin makarkai. He says there's, there's a low plug when it comes to property. So this is called karka. This is called immovable property. This is called immovable property. The same rule applies to all of it. We're not gonna get too granular. We're not gonna get too detailed. So what's like the minimum amount of thing that we would call property? That's our on stilts. Like that's our pot with a hole in it on stilts. That's like the most minimal version of property. And the reason why we're gonna see it anywhere in a second, it, the reason why the government brings it in is actually to say, yes, like we don't make distinctions. It's a low plug. We don't make distinctions when it comes to property, to karka in this case. Okay. So um, um a koshu gabopo um and so the fact that the Gemara says yes any amount of land um works for works for a principle and he says rashi says right pyrshuntris it's explained in country is rashi um that that um based on the story of the katina and Abaye's ruling you can actually um, collect more more money than you might think from um, from even a small amount of land. Okay, so that's that's all Tosfoth, but and and seems to here really be going in the direction of Rashi. But now Tosfoth going to bring Rabinu Shmuel, and Rabbi Shmuel is going to bring a third understanding of why Pruzbol needs to be written when there is land in the equation. Rabbi Shmuel appears Mishum de Karka kolshu shava kol ha'chov. The in una ala karko. So Rabbi Shmuel is going to say, "Oh, actually, there's magic to land. Um, This is our our third understanding of why land is so magical, Um, because any amount of land can be worth the entirety of debt." The in una ala karko. So. In order to understand what la cargo means, we have to like take a step back and understand what unaa means in general. So unaa we often translate as like oppression, but when it comes to money, um unaa is overselling or underpaying. So um the Gemara in Bhavabhatra goes to like extreme lengths to, to um, describe um how you would tell whether you're overselling or underpaying for something um and whether and and how like what how you determine market rate and uh, the, a lot of para is about this and it's like very very interesting Unaa. and and also and then you have questions about like well isn't it a market and like how does capitalism fit into all this and whatever like it seems it's a very complicated i is a very complicated idea and how it fits into like our current understanding of like how value works because it, it actually seems to think like everything just has like a certain set inherent correct value. Um, but that only applies to movable objects. That only applies to metallic land. But there's, if we're gonna say, there's no una for karka, what that means is that we actually don't know or there's no appropriate price for land um, land you can't like oversell or underprice or underpay for land. Land is like infinitely kind of like squishy in that direction. Um, And so therefore you could, like, you might say, oh, this land is only worth 50 zoos, but like, that doesn't stop me from trying to sell it for a hundred to fully repay my debt, for example. Um, And so maybe I'm going to reclaim your tiny little but then I'm gonna figure out some reason. Maybe there's gold underneath your tiny little plot of land, and now all of a sudden the plot I could sell the plot of land for a gazillion billion dollars to someone who wants to open a gold mine, and um and all of a sudden it becomes a lot more valuable, and that's allowed because inun um, ala karkaot. Inun ala karkaot is really um, a debated idea, though, and that's the next line in the Tosfos, the kashet. And we're not going to actually look into this Gemara. I brought it for you. It's source number eight. But um, number eight. yeah, source number eight. We're not going to look at it. But um, just because I'm keeping an eye on the clock and we have a lot less to do. But um, we, the Gemara in um talks about how if if the beaten um, undersell or undervalues a piece of property by more than half, the um the mecca is is there's Bitual mekach like that the transaction is void so um on the one hand we want to say oh yeah you like we have this idea that floats around particularly in rishonim, like it's not as present an idea the like mara that there's no ona by karka you can value it really high you can value it really low. it doesn't matter there's no like fixed price idea for for land um and on the other hand tospot question this opinion of Rabbi Shmuel and his whole idea of an on carco in general, because we do have this idea that um, there can be an inappropriate sale with property if it's undervalued by more than half, by half or more rather specifically. Um, okay, so, but just to recap our three positions. So we have um, the Bartonura who says the Beitin like the land is just what enables the Baiton to take ownership of the debt. Um, the Rashi who says, this is just how normal debts work. And into the Rashi, I want to read this idea of like that. it, it, it It's a normal kind of debt because it's a debt that's collectible. And in a debt that's collectible, um, Kayla has a certain... Amount of agency, and that means that I'm not violating the spirit of the psukim that are all about oppression Um that's, that's my that's my like addition <laughs> to the Rashi, but I, I do kind of think it's there, um, and then we have this third opinion by Murbini um, Shmuel who says. The reason why it's it's land and it's any amount of land is that land is like this very like the valuation of land is so stretchy that um, even a tiny amount of land it all of a sudden might enable me to repay might enable the loan to be repaid in a different way. Um, okay, so those are our three different understandings of like how that how and why um, how and why include in principle car. Okay, so now in the next eight minutes, <laughs> um, I wanna finish the Gemara. So we're gonna run through the Gemara here and then we're gonna, um, and then what I wanna do is, is in the last like two minutes, just to talk about, um, talk about Mechirachamites really quickly. Okay. So we just saw the very, um, we saw just, we'll go back to Tzna'an hatam and the Gemara. So Tzna'an hatam in Kofi and El Karka. Um, and we're still quoting the right, so we don't write a prosbul except for if there's lands involved. In um, and we saw this in the in the Mishnah. If he doesn't have, if Kayla doesn't have land, I I should allocate like a tiny piece of my field to Kayla, then I can write a, a, a prosbul. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to ask, What does when the Mishnah says shahu, any amount? What is like the minimum? What does that mean? Like what's the minimum? Amor Rabbi Barashi Bar Ashi, Amr Rav Bar Ashi says in the name of Rav, afilu kelach shall kruv even um, land that could grow a stalk of cabbage is sufficient. Amr Rabbi Yehuda, afilu latanur even if I lent Kayla a place sufficient for an oven and a stove, that would be sufficient. And is that is that the um, is that really the standard? Bahatani, Hillel, but doesn't Hillel teach? In Kofi and Prusbal, al nakuv bi'ovad. Nakuv in, she'ino nakuv lo. So doesn't Hillel teach you write a um on the basis, only on the basis of Kayla owning um, at least a perforated pot? And um, this demonstrates, and what this shows is that If it's not perforated, then like it it needs to be perforated. If it's not perforated, then it doesn't work. So there's a lot of different ways to read this as like a question onto the tanur vikiraiem onto the oven and stove. Like maybe the oven and stove don't have a hole, and the hole is what connects like the thing to the ground and what makes it like a piece of the ground. So maybe that's kind of tricky. Um, It's a little bit confusing how to read this. Right, so it seems like the question is, right, it needs to have a hole. So if your oven and stove have a hole, then great, it works. But if they don't have a hole, then that's not good enough. Um, right? Wait, well, why? Because the, the space that the oven and stove are on is good enough. Um, and they say, no, um, it, it's still the, the, the pot with a hole in it, lo still needed to be taught because actually it's still like the most extreme case if the pot is up on stilts, if it was put up on, on pegs, I guess is maybe the better translation for Cife. Um, And so that still makes it like the most minimal possible example where it's not even that the hole is what like connects it to the ground, which is maybe what we we're originally thinking, but actually, no, it's this like tiny little pot that's like hung up on stilts and it still counts as property somehow. And that's like a whole crazy thing. Okay, um, and now we're gonna just have some stories about rabbis writing principles, um, and these stories actually, I mean, we're only getting to them now, obviously, but but the, um, these were mentioned in sources that we saw earlier, um, where it's sort of like, oh, well, like who, when we were talking about who has the authority to write a prismal, so one opinion was like, oh, well, maybe, like, only, and, like, when was prismal done? Like, did Hillel only establish prismal for his generation or for later generations? And now we're going to see, like, the latest generation mentioned in the Gemara, we're going to see Rav Ashi and his beitin and his students and his friends writing prismal, so that gives evidence for, like, prismal can be written by people like this, Prisbal was written even in the generations long after Halal, all sorts of stuff. This comes up in those conversations, but obviously we hadn't gotten into it yet. So I'll just throw that into your pocket for when you uh, review for next time. Um, okay. So Rav Ashi, gidma so, Rav Ashi would, um, when, he, when he, he would lend out money and when he wanted to write a Prisbal, he would write it um, on a Gidma de Dikla, a stump of a palm tree the Katavale principle, and then he would um, write a principle on it. So so it, it, the question of like, well, at what point does the property need to belong to the person actually seems like here, when Rav Ashi is making the loan, he's transferring the um, the stump of the palm tree. and he, But he does that when he makes the loan, he already has in mind, I'm going to want to write a prisbal, And therefore, he transfers at that point, the stump of the palm tree. Um, and Rabbanan Zvi Ravashi, Master Malaihu Hadaze. So this is also really interesting. It's a little bit irrelevant, but because we're in Ravashi land, says the students of the Midrash of Ravashi would like just send word to each other. Rashi understands this to mean like they would just like let each other know. Oh, you're my beitin, you're my posevul, and actually they wouldn't even write out a formal posevul. It would just be like I'm transferring my debts to you guys. Bye. Um, um, Rabbi Yonatan, Mili the Bar sent gave word to Rabbi Bar and then he said to him, um, Do I need something else in addition to just like telling you that you're my principal? Um, and he says to him, "No, like that's good enough. Um, you you don't you don't need you don't need anything else. Your statement your statement suffices." Okay, and now we're going back to our topic. <laughs> now we like took a little bit of a left turn from it. It's so near We have a bareta in low karka. So if Kila doesn't have any property, but she has a guarantor. So she said to Adira, Adira, can you insure my loan for me? So if Adira has property, then Copvinal um, Pruzbo. Then we can write a proposal for the loan. So if Kayla and Adira neither of them have property, but um, someone owes Adira money and that person has lands well very complicated um kodvin alav pruzbol mezar benat then that person's land is also good enough to write a pruzbol for this whole situation to tanya as learn in a braidar benat on amar minayin lnosha bechaviro mane bekhaviro bekhaviro minayin shmuti miza venurin lza komo mamar vinatan lasharashablo so basically rbinat on says um that uh i didn't quite stick to my time people here uh, rbinat on says that if, um, let's say, um, there's like, uh, Adira owes Kayla money, and Kayla owes me money, so we can just collect from Adira and pay me. Like, we can skip um, we can skip Kayla altogether in that situation. And so, too, like, when you have a whole string of people, one person owes to the next, or one person's a guarantor from the next, or whatever, like, if somebody owes, owes property, then that's good enough to kind of resolve the whole string of people for a principle. Um, Okay, so again, we saw three different positions about like what the land here is doing, I think all of them reflect the certain like reverence that we have for land that it can like make things happen and be worth things that maybe like don't make sense otherwise, Um, and just the way it works, I actually brought you like a whole paragraph by um, Rabbi Jacker in source number 12 about Mechirat Hamit and how Kenyan Agav works. Um, and the one thing i'll say is that like the reason why i brought it and the reason why i think it's so interesting is it's another situation where like the immovable property or like the way that the mishnah describes it can like effectuate something that doesn't seem like it has anything to do with it meaning i'm not trying to sell my shelf i'm trying to sell my chametz and yet the shelf actually makes the sale of the chametz possible so like the shelf makes this other transaction possible. And I think it just adds to this like mystique of land that it's much, we have much clearer understanding about how land transfers ownership and how land transfers ownership between Jews and Gentiles even. And so maybe that can pave the way for transitions of ownership for Metaltelin too. Um, And I think that uh, the, I mean, other than it being kind of obviously thematically linked, um, I think it even ties into this idea of land as like something that um, that can just like make things happen. Like land can just like make things work. Um, okay, I want to stop talking now. You can look at those sources in your own time. Um, there were some discussions in the chat that I did not keep up with. Um, okay, if they come back a second time. Yeah, calling it a mitzvah, you change the collateral into magical item. Otherwise, in this case, it would really fulfill its role and get his own value back. Um, Okay, I think there's an interesting connection back to the discussion about Darabunan versus the Shemitah, because if there's still Yovel, property is actually no longer stable as a collateral. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, and maybe what that does is to say um, Yovel like undermines this whole thing. Gabriel, that's a very good read. I really like that a lot, right? So like, and and what it would mean is that in a Shemitah year that is attached to a Yovel year, and there's like a whole debate about how that works. Like, is it too, is like Shemitah, like Shemitah would be year 49 and then Yovel is 50 or like whatever, how it works, but there's always gonna be a Shemitah that's either like adjacent to or on the Yovel year. Um, Does, so on that year, you can't do a Prismal. Like there's no Prismal by Yovel. So it could work even in that way. Um, because the the and the requirement of karka would then be what would undermine Pobol in that situation or what you're suggesting which is in some ways like even stronger is to say um in the original read like before we got to Rava um in the original read it was like um Shmita, right in a Abai- it was a original read right hang on let me make sure I got this right yeah right a bias says Shemit was manazet. Um, where we don't have you, wait, what are the opinions of as bezanazes? Like we don't have Yovel, and therefore Shvib is only derabanan, and therefore we can like do things like there, and that's part of what inibol is prosbol. So you're saying, that's very good. You're saying, oh, we were like tilting towards Rava that it's all about Hefkar beads and care. and now you're saying no. The fact that Shmita, the fact that prosbol is dependent on land ownership being consistent is back to being great evidence for Abaye, that this only works when there's no yoga because otherwise, like the whole, the whole thing is undermined. That's very good. That's a really good point. Um, and so there's no way for principle to be established between two people, neither of whom own land. Good. So um, I was going to show you guys the Shulchan on this. Uh, maybe I'll do that real quick. Um, OK. Um, oh, here's just the debate about, so we saw that debate even within the toast vote about whether there's Ona'a with Karka. So the Shulchan Aruch says, these are things that don't have Ona'a at all, and one of them is Karka, but the Ramah says, that's being Shmuel's opinion, and the Ramah says, no, uh, Dafka ad palga, termi palga. So right, if the land is undervalued by more than half, then that undoes the, undoes the, the sale. Um, Okay, so the Shulchan really goes through like a bazillion possible cases. Um, many of them obviously are going to seem familiar. Um, one case that we didn't see is, um, so let's say five, we saw a case related to this, but we didn't exactly see it. So let's say there's five people who all owe me, um, like let's say, I, and I think in this case you could say, I don't own land, Kayla doesn't own land, but like Judith, Adira, and Gabriel also all owe me money. Um, and it happens to be that Gabriel has land. So, so Gabriel's land could be actually enough for all of them, which is really funky, right? So that's the Shakhar here says, and there, he obviously has a million sources for it. Um, Khamisha la a few in karka so if, you, if, if I made, um, if there's one document that, that enacts a, a loan between me and all four of you, or all five of you in this case, like only one of you needs to own property for that um, as an example. But yeah, so, but just, so really like we're talking about like teeny tiny amounts of land, but I think, yeah, like at the end of the day, if nobody, if nobody in the equation owns any land, then yeah, I think, I think you're not writing a principal. Um, But I do think that for, like they can't even imagine that situation. I think that's also a piece of it. Because also remember, land is not like, I'm a huge property owner. Land is like, even Kayla's apartment would be land, right? So um, you have to like tweak your, it's, it's unmovable thing. Okay, uh, we are over time and we will pick up next week.
0: All right. And thank you for everyone who's joining us today for Perus Bull at Talmud Shear. Um, if you are interested in learning more about Shemitah-related topics, we have plenty of classes in Falzman, especially starting up either right before or right after Thanksgiving. You can find out more at risha.org classes. And everyone, have a good night.